what's up, my fellow limpers? This is Jordan Ross, host of the What's Your Limp podcast. And this is the very first episode. So thank you so much for listening. Also, quick shout out to Devin Levi, who came up with that original piece of music for our intro. Give him a follow at, at Devin Levi Music on Instagram. Anyway, so again, thank you so much for listening to the first episode of my new podcast, What's Your Limp? Now, a lot of you are probably here because you're fans of The Chosen and that's where you know me from. But if you're looking for a podcast that's just going to give you a lot of insight and you know some little tidbits on what happens behind the scenes of The Chosen, you'll probably be disappointed because that's not what this podcast is about. Although there may be some of that whenever I have some of my castmates on here. But what this podcast is about is talking to people, mostly public figures, uh, quote unquote celebrities, about what their limps are, whether they're physical or internal. Everyone has something they're insecure about. Everyone struggles with something. And uh, I kind of want to get to the bottom of that. I'm fascinated by people and what they go through and how they overcome the challenges that they're faced with. Now, my limp, one of them, is a literal limp. And uh, it's it's a physical limp caused by scoliosis and cerebral palsy. But I have plenty of other insecurities that I'm going to delve into here in a little bit. But today, I don't have a guest. Uh, most of these episodes, I'm going to have a guest here that I'm going to be talking to, whether it's an actor, athlete, musician, whatever. But today, I am just going to talk about myself. Because if I'm going to ask these public figures to bear it all and to talk about their deepest insecurities and you know put it all on the table and have these really vulnerable open intimate conversations i feel like it's only fair of me to do the same so i kind of want to give my whole story put it all out there and uh then that way whenever i'm asking other people really intimate personal questions i don't feel as bad about it so yeah, and another thing, since I feel like it's my responsibility to do what I'm going to be asking of my guests, I also want to ask all of the listeners to have an open mind throughout this entire podcast, because there are going to be people that are struggling with something that maybe you don't struggle with and you can't quite understand. So that's another reason I wanted to do this podcast, is to bring awareness to different things that different people struggle with, and to just help everyone have a little more empathy for each other. Uh, and if you're going through a similar thing that maybe one of your heroes is going through that you hear on this podcast, you'll know that you're not alone and you might even get some some methods or some tools to help cope with that issue and to overcome it. So without further ado, I'm going to kind of get into my story. Some of you may have heard this before. So if you have, I apologize, but I'm just going to go from the beginning. So I was born... Uh, two months premature with several health conditions. And they were, as I mentioned earlier, scoliosis and cerebral palsy. I also have uh, very severe asthma. I've been hospitalized with that probably three or four dozen times in my life, uh, as well as tachycardia, which is a heart condition. So from a very young age, I was in and out of the hospital a lot. Uh, by the time I was I think eight years old, I had already had six major surgeries, including a full spinal fusion for my scoliosis. I had uh, a huge curve in my spine and it was starting to crush one of my lungs, which in turn made my asthma even more severe. So that's kind of what, what life was like for me as a kid. Uh, I was uh, in a private school, a small little private school and had some, some good friends and they knew me since I was young. So they never noticed my, my limp. And if they did, 
they never mentioned it because to them, I was just Jordan. They knew me since they were young and uh, they didn't think of it. So I didn't think of it. I knew that I ran differently or that I walked differently than the other kids, but I wasn't insecure about it at all because they accepted me and they loved me. And then uh, when I was about six, I got into theater. I played Tiny Tim in a little community theater production of A Christmas Carol. And it was uh, before that I was pretty shy. I didn't talk to a lot of people outside of my close friends and family. But after I did that, I realized that was my calling. Once I got into theater, there was no turning back. So from age six up until I was maybe 15 or 16, I probably did close to 100 shows, whether they were at community theater or professional theater. And I, I loved it. I fell in love with with the art and with the community because that was my my experience in that world. You know, whenever you're doing little community theater productions, it's not really for the money and the theater itself isn't making a huge profit. So everyone involved, they're doing it because they want to make a piece of art together. They want to feel a sense of of community and they want to to all work on this thing with with the same goal and to deliver. So again, my limp wasn't really an issue then. I never felt like I missed out on a role because of that. I never felt discriminated against. I never felt uh, like an outcast or anything like that. I was just accepted. And that's another reason I fell in love with acting with this profession. And then it wasn't until I got into high school. So when I was 14 years old, I went to a public school for the first time. And before that, I, I would homeschool here and there because of surgery. So I would miss a lot of school and I would have to do it at home. Uh, or I was going to just a small little private school. And then for whatever reason, I, I started going to public school in ninth grade where I knew no one. You know, I felt good. I felt like I'd go to school and I'd make a lot of friends and uh, it would be great. And my first day, just the sheer size of this public school, and it wasn't even that big of a public school, but compared to what I was used to, that alone was shocking. Uh, and then I started to quickly realize that I was very different than than the rest of these kids. And not only that, but these kids had known each other since they were young. You know, they had gone through elementary school and middle school together. And now they're in high school. So they already had relationships developed. And uh, that was tricky to kind of break into those friend groups that had already been established for a long period of time. So at first I would just, you know, observe. Uh, I, I love to people watch. So I kind of did that at first. Then after the first week, uh, I decided, you know what, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to try to to make some friends and to insert myself into these these different groups. So at lunch, I would just sit with different groups of of people, and normally they they wouldn't even notice me. They'd just keep talking, which is fine. So when that wasn't working, I started trying out different outfits. On the weekend, I'd go to Hot Topic and get like some edgy t shirt and a choker and some uh, some wristbands and I'd go back to school and I'd try to sit with the goths and uh again they they'd just be like who's this weird kid and they'd keep talking I would try to to go to Hollister or Abercrombie and Fitch and get the preppy clothes and sit with those guys and just nothing seemed to work as that went on I kept trying to fit in with these different groups and to try to change who I was I was trying to be someone else in order to please these other people, which was the first time in my life I ever felt the need to do that. So I was doing that. And as it went on, I just felt more and more bad about myself because I was like, 
none of these people are accepting me. None of these people want anything to do with me. It wasn't even that I was getting picked on initially. It was just that people weren't seeing me. I felt invisible. So one day I wore an Afro wig to school. It wasn't like a a cartoonish one. It was a smaller, like more subtle Afro wig, but I wore it to school just to see if anyone would notice or comment on it just because I wanted someone to see me. And not one person, including my teachers, said a word about it. And uh, then after that, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to not try as hard when it comes to, to fitting in. So uh, I just kind of started eating lunch by myself. I'd sit off to the side and, and I'd go home and tell my mom like, oh, yeah, I made all these friends. And I'd make up people's names and talk to her about all these, these uh, you know, funny stories that were happening at school. They were all lies. I just know how upset and sad my mom would be if she knew uh, at that time how lonely I was feeling. Prior to that, again, I had never really felt true loneliness or or like I didn't belong. So it was a really, I, I didn't know how to handle it. Uh, and I didn't know how important it is to talk about those things. Eventually, after keeping to myself and just trying to to lay low, one kid came up to me while I was eating lunch and he he had seen me like walking through the halls and he was like, hey dude, I, we saw you sitting alone. Come sit with me and my friends. So I did. And I was so excited that, that that was the first time someone actually invited me to come sit with him. And I didn't just kind of creepily sneak up and, and sit at the edge of the table. Uh, so this guy asked me to go sit with his friends. I go sit down and they're, they seem really interested in me and they're really friendly. And I was like, oh, cool. Maybe, you know, it was just a little slump at first. And now I'm going to make some friends. They're asking what I'm into. I started talking about acting. I've done a ton of theater and uh, they were like, oh, that's really cool. And then, you know, at the time I had already gone to L.A. for the summer before high school. So when I was 13 years old, went out to L.A. for the whole summer, went to a acting boot camp uh, with it was a place called Young Performer Studio. They have a bunch of kids and teens and um, they do showcases for agencies and casting directors and whatnot. So I had already done a few little television appearances, nothing major, but a few little things, mostly like background work. But still at the time, it was it was pretty exciting. So uh, they were asking about acting and I told them some of the things that I had done. And then the one that had invited me over to eat lunch with them said, oh, wow, I didn't realize they let cripples on that show. So then I realized that they weren't wanting to be my friend at all. They were just inviting me over to make fun of me. And that's when the bullying started. So those guys kind of kicked it off. And then that's when I became hyper aware of other people's awareness of my physical condition. And I started to notice other people notice it. It wasn't something that I could hide. It was just something that it's like who I am. So uh, that was kind of scary that it's like, oh, wow, this is something people are going to make fun of and there's nothing I can do about it. And now uh, I'll get into this later. I'm grateful for all of that now because it's given me a ton of empathy for for other struggles that people deal with that I don't have to worry about because I know what it's like to have something about you that you can't change. But at the time, I wasn't that mature. I wasn't able to to uh, break it down in that way. So I just felt like crap. And my disability isn't super severe. You know, I, I have a minor limp uh, and, and walk a little funny and that's about it. But it's it's different enough that people notice it, but it's not so different that they feel bad 
uh, about making fun of me. It's not like it was taboo or or like crossing a line to make fun of me. As the bullying got worse and people would make jokes and, and make fun of me, then it turned physical. So I started getting like things thrown at me by by some of them. Uh, they would trip me in the hall because one of my feet kind of drags a little bit more than my other whenever I walk. So it's easy if you just kind of put your foot there, it's easy to trip me. So that that started happening a lot. And then, you know, a few fights happened here and there. Uh, one kid bent a trash can over my back once. It was getting pretty serious. So I would eat lunch then between there's a little tiny crack between the vending machines and I would squeeze in there like a little mouse and uh, hide where, you know, I was surprised I could even fit in between them. But that was the safest place because that way I was hidden and I could see anyone coming. My back was to the wall. And if anyone came up to me, I could see them. And the principal even started to notice he'd come over and check on me uh, and just be like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Like, you know, you doing OK? And and I'm not surprised because it's like a lot of kids that kind of snap. And unfortunately, in, in our country, you know, you hear of all these school shootings and stuff. It's like when you see a kid that's isolating himself, that gets picked on a lot. Obviously, that's not anything I, I ever would have done. But I was isolating myself in a way that that could be worrisome for for the adults that were around me. The other kids would would hit me and kick me and, and throw things at me. And my defense was just to curl up and wait for someone to break it up. So I'm not a fighter. I never, ever considered hurting anyone else, even the bullies. And the few times I did fight back, I wouldn't punch people in the face because I felt bad about it. I didn't want to hurt them too bad. I would punch them in the arm or in the chest. But I did start thinking about hurting myself. And that was scary because I had never, ever had a thought like that before. And again, my mom, she's the one that would drive me to every audition, every rehearsal, every performance. She'd sit there with me throughout all of my surgeries, throughout uh, being hospitalized with asthma, times where I almost died. She was there with me, holding my hand and supporting me. But I could not bring myself to tell her what I was going through because I was ashamed and I was scared. And it was new. I didn't know how, how to react to it. So I started having suicidal thoughts. I started, you know, trying to plan out what would happen if I wasn't here. You know, would would my mom be okay? Would my family be okay? I started to write out notes to people. And I started to wonder because I knew I had people in my, in my life that love me. But when you have people in your life that are being cruel to you and that are making you feel bad and bringing up all of these insecurities it's a lot easier to lose sight of the positive things in your life. And it's a lot easier to forget that you are loved and that you do have people that care about you. And that would be devastated if anything ever happened to you. But I was falling into that. Um, I had a ton of friends in theater and, and my family and, and other people that like I knew loved me, but I started to doubt their love for me because of the hatred of these other kids. I never went as far as having a suicide attempt but I definitely got way closer than I, I care to admit. And it was a, a truly scary time. And it wasn't until I ended up uh, having a, one of the football players come up to me. And this was like I was kind of at the end of my rope. You know, I was just waiting for an excuse to take the easy way out. And uh, I was just waiting for something big to happen. So it's like, okay, that's it. That's the final straw. 
this one football player who I had, I shared a, one of my classes with, I think it was history or social studies or something. I had made a joke in that class. I mouthed off to the teacher, which again, I never did, but I was getting kind of bitter and angry. And I mouthed off to the teacher and this football player laughed and he came up to me the next day and saw me eating lunch alone between the vending machines and asked if I wanted to come sit with him and his friends. And uh, I was very hesitant at first because of my previous experiences, but I did. And they were talking to me about stuff and, and asking about what I like to do, just like the other guys. But then he started telling his friends about how funny I was in, in our class together and it became clear to me after a couple days of, of eating lunch with these guys, it's like they, they weren't there to make fun of me. Uh, they were accepting me and they were inviting me into their circle. And uh, these guys weren't without flaws either. They, they still would give me a hard time and pick on me, but it was in more of a brotherly way. Uh, not that it makes it okay to, to pick on people, you know, especially when it's something like a, a physical disability but they had good intentions they were just maybe a little immature and a little um not as informed as as hopefully they are now but they also were protectors so i was no longer getting bullied by the actual bullies i was no longer getting beat up these guys had my back and they uh on several occasions they had seen me getting bullied and they they nipped that in the bud by telling these guys if you're messing with jordan you're messing with us so that made a huge difference to me, uh, having these guys come in and, and pull me out of that, that dark place. But the insecurities were now there. Insecurities I never had before. I, never, I, I knew I was different before, but I never thought about it. I never worried about it or felt bad about it. Now, after those experiences, those were there and those were not going to go away. Once I became friends with them, I started doing a lot of self-deprecating humor, thinking, okay, if I bring attention to my disability first, then uh, I'm kind of getting it out of the way. And it's avoiding them bringing it up because that always hurt more. So if I'm the one doing it, then it's okay. I would give in to peer pressure a lot easier that I don't think I would have before. But now that I knew I wouldn't be accepted everywhere, I, that not everyone would accept me for who I am. Now that I was in this group, I was afraid of losing it. And literally in this moment just now, I kind of had this realization. I have abandonment issues. I worry about being abandoned. That's an insecurity of mine. And I've always wondered why, because my family has never abandoned me. My close friends haven't abandoned me. But now I know why. It's the realization that not everyone will accept me. So when I'm in a group with someone or, or I care about someone or I love someone, I'm terrified that they're no longer going to accept me one day because of how I am. So I like in this moment, I just had that realization. So that was kind of a breakthrough. I'm glad I'm doing this podcast. So anyway, uh, I started giving into peer pressure, doing things I wouldn't normally do, going to high school parties and drinking and, and you know, just making dumb choices. And I'm honestly lucky I'm alive when I look back at, at a lot of the things I did. But that experience in high school, after that freshman year, I went through all of that stuff. I told my mom finally. I never told her until way later what I actually went through. But I told her, you know, that wasn't for me. Uh, we tried out public school. Not really my thing. I want to go to L.A. because acting still was the thing that made me feel more alive than anything. And I look back at, you know, being in all of those plays and feeling that sense of community and, and, and uh, inclusion and acceptance, I was like, I want that. 
I want to feel more of that. That's my happy place. So my mom, being the most supportive person in the world, told me, okay, well, let's go to LA. So we did. I, I went to LA from when I was 14 or 15 all the way until I was uh, 18 before I went to college back here in Dallas. I was in LA about half the time uh, for those three or four years. And uh, I got an agent and a manager out there was going out on auditions and I was so excited because it's like, yeah, this is this is my my purpose. This is where I'm going to feel the most included and the most accepted and it's going to be great. So we went out there, but then I realized that the film world, the more I, I got into it, the film industry is definitely a different beast than doing community theater in Arlington, Texas. Uh, and I started getting feedback from casting directors uh, telling me to lose the limp or some of them thinking it's a character choice, asking if I could do it again without the limp. And I had agents and managers say, you know, yeah, you're a really good actor, but, you know, that limp is is definitely going to hurt your chances, which I understand. I, I, I'm a realist. Uh, I'm, I'm optimistic and I'm, I'm very glass half full, but I, I am a realist. I understand that it is something that's noticeable. But hearing that over and over and over again made me feel even worse uh, because I wasn't being bullied anymore. But the more attention that was brought to this, it was by people that are involved in the industry that I want to do, that I feel like I'm made to do, like it's my purpose. And these people that are kind of the ones that are between me and getting these jobs are telling me, yeah, that limp's going to gonna be kind of tricky to navigate around. And it was hard to hear because if they had told me, you know, your line delivery is a little stiff, like work on making it a little more natural or, hey, you need to be a better listener in your scenes. You need to listen to your scene partner because acting isn't just about the words that you say. It's about being present in the moment and listening to what the other person is saying. If they were telling me that kind of stuff, then cool, I can fix that. I can keep going to acting classes and I can get better. But the fact that they're saying, you know, lose the limp, it's like, oh, okay, I'll get right on that. That's not something I can fix. It was kind of a hopeless feeling. I never doubted my love for acting and I never doubted my commitment because I am incredibly committed and dedicated to it. I knew and I know now that I will never stop pursuing it and doing it until I die. And uh, even if I never book another job again, I'm always going to pursue it. But it was still hard to hear, especially when some of my friends that I made out in L.A. are booking series regular roles on major network shows or you know, starring in movies with Robert De Niro or whatever. It's like, it was, it's hard. And that's when comparing myself started coming into the picture. I think all actors, all people really, but especially actors compare themselves to others. It's very easy to do. But when it comes to acting, it's hard because you, you'll have a friend that you're in acting class with, and then all of a sudden they book one big thing and that leads to another big thing. And then another big thing and you're sitting there thinking like I did scenes in class with this person. I could be doing what they're doing. And and it's it's a weird feeling cuz you're happy for your friends and you love it whenever they experience success, but if you're not experiencing that same success, it it sucks because you feel like you can and should be. So I started comparing myself a lot and looking at other people's careers and then having that fear of uh, going into a casting office that the casting director will notice the limp or ask me about it or tell me to lose it, that was always in the back of my head. So every single audition I went on, 
I was ultra focused on trying to cover up my limp. I wear lifts in my shoe that help mask it. Uh, and if I'm really thinking about it, I can cover it up for the most part. You may mo- notice like a little bit of an awkward gait. But other than that, I-, I can cover it up pretty effectively. But the fact that that's what was on my my mind, that was the forefront of my mind, I wasn't really doing the character or the the material service in these auditions. And I wasn't focused on what I needed to focus on to give the best performance I could give. And because of that, I think I think I lost way more jobs because I was too focused on my limp than I did because of my actual limp. But eventually, uh, it wasn't until I booked The Chosen, which if you haven't seen The Chosen, go check it out. It's uh, a show that uh, I'm a regular on. And again, most of you are probably here because of that. And I went in to audition for that, worried about my limp. But luckily, it's an audition where I'm sitting down most of the time. So it's like, okay, if I can cover up my limp from the time that I walk in the room and then the time that I leave the room, then I'm good because I'm just going to be sitting between then. Uh, so I, I wasn't as worried about my limp in that audition as I am if I'm having to like move around a lot. Uh, so I went in, I did the audition, got a call back a few days later, uh, went to the callback and the director, Dallas Jenkins, one of the producers was there. And uh, again, I was sitting. I don't. I didn't think they noticed my limp. And then a week later, I got the call saying that I had booked the role of Little James. And I showed up on set the first day. And uh, normally, like I said, I wear lifts in my shoe. But this is a series. It's a historical series set in first century Jerusalem. And because I'm wearing sandals, I can't wear my lift. So my limp is much more noticeable because there's a good two inch difference between the length of my right leg and my left leg. So because my limp is more noticeable, the director Dallas Jenkins comes up and asks if I was, you know, what, what my physical condition was. And I explained it to him thinking that that was the first time he had noticed it. It turns out he actually did know before he noticed it in my audition and never said anything, which I appreciate even more now because that means he cast me knowing that I had a disability but not caring because he just felt like I was the best person for the job. But when he asked me about it on set, I was terrified. I was like, he's going to replace me. He's going to make my my role significantly smaller. And uh, I was worried because that had happened in the past. I, I had shown up for a commercial shoot that I booked for a national commercial, and they had a replacement there on set in the same costume in case my limp was too noticeable. And then at the in the end, they just cut me out of the commercial altogether. So there, there's been things like that that have happened in the past. So I was already worried. Um, so we finished season one, which had already been written. And while we were shooting that, Dallas, uh, the director, came up to me again and said, Hey, so we're about to start writing season two. How do you feel about us including your, your disability uh, into the character, making it part of Little James? And that was terrifying because part of me was happy because it's like, okay, cool. He's, he's not going to replace me. I'm, I'm safe. But I was also scared because now this thing that I've been hiding and, or attempting to hide for the vast majority of my life now is going to be front and center. It's going to be out there and millions and millions of people are going to see it and notice it. Uh, we actually have over 130 million views now on The Chosen. So it's a lot of people that have noticed my my limp and now know about it. I said yes, because what else am I going to say? Uh, but on the inside, I, I was thinking about that. And I was worried, like, now that it's out there, is that going to affect my other uh, opportunities? You know, I, I can't hide this anymore. People are going to know. And uh, 
the more we started doing it this last season, there's a scene where another apostle asks me, how can you sit here and watch, you know, Jesus heal all these other people, but he's not healing you. Doesn't that hurt? Like, doesn't that upset you? And my character is like, yeah, it's, I don't know how to approach it. It sucks. Essentially. That's not, that's not how they, they spoke back then, but essentially that's what little James says. And it was very therapeutic going through that scene because it was me as as this character literally getting mad at God for, for not, not necessarily mad, but feeling kind of confused and hurt that I was made the way that I am and uh, that there's not really anything that I can do about it. And that's something I could definitely relate to. The more that I, I started to delve into this character and the more I do in the future, it's like I'm working through my own issues through this show, through this character. And I've realized the more I talk about it, whether it's in character or off the record, because at this point now, I've done several podcasts and interviews talking specifically about my my disability. I had an author at Deadline write an article about it even. So it's out there now. And I've I've come to the realization that the more I talk about it, the more I love it, the more I'm okay with it, and the more I, I accept it and embrace it. And that's the thing I didn't realize back in high school when I was getting picked on. If I had just talked about it to my mom or to my friends, to anyone, if I had just talked about what I was going through and what I was feeling, I would have gotten the reassurance that I need. My wife and my kids and my family, my friends on set, they love me. They don't care. My kids notice. My my five-year-old, she'll you know, say something about daddy walking differently, but she wouldn't want me any other way because that's who I am. I'm her dad and I have a limp and she wouldn't change that. And neither would my wife or my friends or my mom or, or any of the other people that, that love me and that are in my life, including the fans of the show. Because the more I've talked about it and gotten reassurance from the people that I'm close to, I've gotten just as much reassurance from people that I've never even met that are commenting on my article or you know responding to podcasts that I did and saying, thank you for talking about it because I have a similar insecurity. You know, I also have cerebral palsy or my daughter has scoliosis and gets bullied every day. Thank you for talking about that. And it just showed me how important it is to talk about things, not only for yourself, but for others to show them that they're not alone and to show them that everyone has a limp. Everyone struggles with something. So that's the thing that's helped me the most. So if you're going through any insecurities or struggles, my, my best piece of advice I could give you is to talk to someone about it. Now, that's not to say that there aren't still insecurities. I'm still very insecure, and there's a lot of shame that comes with it. And now, though, I'm, I have the experience and the wisdom to acknowledge and to realize that the root of it is people being jerks, essentially. People struggling with their own insecurities, so they feel they need to take it out on someone else to make them feel bad about theirs. When I really think about it, I understand now that my insecurities aren't a reflection of who I am. They're a reflection of how someone else has made me feel. And the things that I, I am insecure about or have shame about are they're just part of me. And the people that are important, they love me regardless. And not only that, it's not like they love me in spite of my limp, like my limp is something that you can't love. They love my limp. I've had so many people in my life tell me they wouldn't change that about me because it's something they love. And and them saying that kind of 
was a light bulb that went off for me. Cause I was like, yeah, I have friends that have talked about insecurities of theirs and I love those. And I don't see those things as flaws at all. You know, if I have a friend that's like, oh, my nose is too big. It's like, no, I think you have an awesome nose or, you know, whatever. It's like someone may not like their hair, but you know, that might, might be the thing that other people notice about them first. So that's what I've, I've come to realize is that the insecurities are always going to be there. It's kind of like an addiction. They say in uh, AA that no matter how long you're sober, your addiction is just there in the back of your mind doing push-ups, waiting for the opportunity to strike again. And that's what insecurities are like. It's, it's kind of like an addiction. It's just always going to be there in the back of your mind, ready to pounce as soon as the opportunity presents itself. But when that happens, because it will happen, it happens all the time, when it happens, once you can get to the root of it and understand that that's not a reflection of who you are and you can kind of make sense of all of it, it's much easier to deal with and to silence. So don't push your insecurities away. Don't try to hide them because they always will be there. Embrace them, but study them. Learn why they're there in the first place so you can do a better job at silencing them in the future. I think that's pretty much most of my story. I really appreciate all of you listening to to this first episode of my podcast. Uh, like I said, it was really, really therapeutic. So I'm glad that I started doing this and I can't wait to dig into other people's insecurities with them. Speaking of which, I said that I would announce the first guest of of this show. So this is the first episode. I didn't have a guest. It's just me. But our next episode that we're doing... Our, my very first guest that I'm going to have on the show is an actor that I'm very close to. He's one of my favorite actors in the world, and it's Barry Corbin. He's actually my grandpa. He has been in everything. He, I think he has over 250 acting credits now. He was in Urban Cowboy, War Games, Lonesome Dove, No Country for Old Men, One Tree Hill, Northern Exposure, The Ranch on Netflix. Uh, he has a lot of other exciting projects coming up. There's a lot of stories I could have told in this episode that would have involved him, but I didn't because he'll be on here this uh, next week on the podcast. But uh, yeah, he's he's this tough cowboy actor that plays all of these authoritative figures, whether it's a sheriff or a, a general um, or just a tough old man. But like everyone, he has plenty of insecurities. He has plenty of things that he's struggled with in his life, and he's been one of the key people that's helped me deal with my own insecurities. So I'm really excited to talk to him next week. And I'm excited for all of you to hear that too, because uh, I think you'll see, or I guess hear a different side of him than uh, you've heard before. And uh, lastly, this is how I want to end all of my, my podcast episodes. So I'm going to ask my guests after they've bared it on, talked about their insecurities and the things that they struggle with, I don't want that to be it. I want to hear something that they love about themselves because I think it's important for all of us to acknowledge the things we love about ourselves just as much as we acknowledge the things that we don't like about ourselves. So something I love about myself is that I'm incredibly determined and uh, I will never, ever, ever take no for an answer when it comes to pursuing my passion and doing what I love. And if I believe in something, nothing is going to stop me from accomplishing that. And that's uh, one of the things I love about myself. And I really hope that I can teach to my children and pass on to them. Anyway, 
Thank you so much for listening to this first podcast. Go follow us on all of our social media accounts at What's Your Limp. Uh, you can also follow me personally at The Jordan Ross on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you or someone you know has a limp, something that you struggle with or are insecure about, and you have a little bit of a following, people that look up to you and that listen to you and uh, are fans of you, shoot me an email, message me on Twitter or Instagram, and uh, maybe we can have you on the show to talk about your limp. But until then, I'm your host, Jordan Ross, and I will talk to you all next time.